Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here this morning on this beautiful day. I certainly am hoping that the weather continues in this vein for many, many more weeks to come. Um, it has been, <laughs> it has warmed the coggles of my heart. Did I get that right? Is that the right use of that phrase? If not, uh, speak to me afterwards and teach me what it actually should say. Um, I've been away for a few, a few, well, I haven't really been away. I, I just on vacation, and um, I, I thought I'd just tell you what I did. Very little. Some of you are just going, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Uh, but my family and I and, and all of our kids are here today uh, with us, and, and we, we always enjoy these moments together because the strangest thing happened over the last several weeks. I think both Ruthann and I realized that... Um, our kids are getting older, and um, one of them will soon be traveling to another country and be away from us for months. I don't think I'm ready for that. Uh, one of them, I won't mention who, uh, is in his final grade of high school, <laughs> and the other one just started her high school career. And uh, we, we, over, the, over the holiday, we went to Edmonton. Don't hold that against me. Edmonton is actually a lovely city, by the way. And uh, we went to the water park, and I did not think that we would enjoy, at least Ruthann and I did not think we would enjoy the water park. But I got to tell you, there's nothing like being in a wave pool and getting hit by kids who are being pushed across the waves <laughs> over your head. Uh, but we had a great time, a good rest. As uh, I come back, um, I thought, what would I share with you this morning? And um, I believe the Lord has laid on my heart a message out of Mark's gospel. And before I read that scripture, I would like to just pray uh, for you and for us. So will you bow your heads and join me in prayer this morning? It is so good to be gathered together in your name. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of adoration. You are worthy of our time. You are worthy of our lives. Father, we confess to you today that most of us gathered here today desire to please you with our life. But there are times, times in which we fall short in word, in action, in how we love, and how we forgive, and how we listen. And so we put ourselves before you humbly and ask that your mercy would extend to us for the things that we have done that we were not supposed to do and the things that you've called us to do that we have not done. And we ask that your mercy might meet us at our place and our points of humility and confession this morning so that we may receive your forgiveness, your pardon, your grace, your mercy, your joy. So that we would be reminded again that we sit before you as children who have been forgiven on account of the faithfulness of the Son, Jesus Christ. So that we may live a life pleasing to you. Grant us assurance today. 
Grant us security today. For those who are struggling with faith, I ask that you would give what each person needs. We turn our thoughts, Father, to our country. And we pray today that as we go through this next season of life with some of the uncertainties and the challenges that faces political and health leaders, we ask that you would grant them wisdom. May they make decisions in accordance with preserving human life. And would you, Father, work in and through all ways, all means, even at times beyond the wisdom of man. We pray that as this country prepares for a federal election, we would remember how grateful we are to live in a democratic country, a place that enables us to exercise our freedom to choose and to vote. Replace our cynicism with gratitude and grant us wisdom to discern your will for our lives and for our church. Father, we think of the displaced this morning, the people in Afghanistan whose future is uncertain, the people in Ethiopia that are reeling under military conflict, thousands killed this past week. We think of those displaced throughout North America because of wildfires. We think about the homeless within our communities. And when we think about the world as it is, Father, we come to you. And we say, we need you to be the way maker. We need you to help us to be a part of the work of God for such a time as this. Grant us a vision of who you are this morning that transcends the limited ways we think you can work. Open our hearts and minds to who you truly are that we would know we stand in the presence of the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we think or ask or imagine. And grant us today the joy that comes from being in your presence and with your people. Amen. Mark chapter 7, reading from verse 24 to 37. Hear the word of the Lord. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Now, I'm going to just make some comments as I read this because that will help what I want to say next. Many times in the Gospels where Jesus is overwhelmed or tired by the conflict and the crowds, the needs, and the people. If you were to read the Gospel of Mark, in particular Luke, carefully, you will recognize that there's so many times where Jesus seeks reprieve. You know, I was convicted just in that because I thought to myself, how many times do I act as if I do not need rest? And how many times in our world are we tempted to be very non-Christian when we think our value is only contingent upon how busy we are? Someone being convicted this morning. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of 
Syrophoenician origin, Syrian. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter, and he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and to throw it to dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. We can bear witness to this in our home. And when we have certain guests over, they ate it without even crumbs. They give from the main course. They know who they are today. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on, lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Sidon, the son of Canaan, Canaanite region, non-Jewish region, and the old ancient Israel. This would be outside the boundaries, one of the few times that Jesus travels outside the boundaries, even though his ministry is directed first and foremost to Israel. They brought him to a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed. Some, some translation says he groaned. The way he groaned when he looked at Jerusalem and the waywardness of the religion that had been established there. He sighed and said to them, Ephephatha. Can you say that with me? Ephephatha. It's not a Greek word. It's an Aramaic word. A word that Mark, the gospel author, translates for us. It is to be opened. To be opened. Ephephatha. Be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. <laughs> they were astounded. Beyond measure, saying, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak, this is the word of the Lord. Ephaphatha, an Aramaic word which means to be opened. And in the Gospel of Mark, I would suggest to us this morning that it is a characteristic of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is the kind of Messiah, the kind of teacher who is in the business of opening doors where doors were closed. He's in the business of opening minds where minds were closed. Opening opportunities where opportunities were closed. Opening ways that often came with much, much resistance and even rejection. I think for us this morning, the song we sang, uh, he is a waymaker. My son, do you mind bringing my water to me? I'm so sorry. Uh, he is a way maker, is a perfect title 
for what I would say next. Just give it to you there. <laughs> if we don't laugh, we'll cry. Which is a, a perfect theme for this text. The song that we just sang, in fact, earlier this week as I was working on the sermon, I thought I should email our worship leader and say to her, I want you to sing this song. But you know, sometimes I forget things. And when she sent me the information, there the song was, and I took that as confirmation. This is of the Lord. And here is what I want to suggest to you this morning, that Jesus is this morning for those of us who are sitting here and saying, I am in a situation or I feel our world is in a place where we are stuck. Where we just don't know how to get through. We just, we, we just kind of wonder if there is someone that notices and someone that is aware, someone that cares and someone that can actually do something that no one else can do. Jesus as the way maker shows up in Mark chapter 6 when he had been through a tough time of ministry. No one in Nazareth believed that he was who he said he was. And he says, you know, in your own hometown, amongst your own people, you're without honor. In fact, the disbelief in Nazareth was so significant that he could perform no miracles there. We are taught that Jesus had gone through this difficult time and he says to his closest disciples, Hey, come along with me. Let us find rest and reprieve. Now, this is a second point to the, or, or, or a subsequent point to the primary point. Some of you here today, like me, need to listen to what Jesus does and not just what he says. Some of us need to believe that God invites us to be discerning of times of withdrawal in order to be renewed. And so he withdraws, but because people recognized him, they followed him, he ends up having compassion on them. And the scripture said this, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus ministers to them, teaches them the entire day. The day goes long. It's getting to a point where, where the disciples starts to get weary and he says, the people are getting hungry. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they said, you want us to take a couple of hundred denarii, which we don't have, go to the next town, buy enough food for everybody and feed them? We, 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 we kind of don't have enough. We don't have what it takes to do what you've called us to. And Jesus says, well, what do we have? Well, we have five loaves and... Two fish. Remember that? Five loaves and two fish. And, and Jesus takes the little and he multiplies it. Jesus in that miracle shows that when people look at circumstances uh, in, in, in this kind of uh, quantitative way without recognizing what God is doing in their midst, they are unable to receive the grace and the abundance and the faith that they need to do things in his name. You see, when I read that thousand feeding miracle, I believe that when Jesus said, you feed them, he was saying, you can do what I'm going to do if you don't do it. You can do 
what I will, can, will do if you don't have the faith. The disciples are closed to who Jesus is. They are not able to apprehend that in their presence is one who takes a little and makes enough. In fact, he is not only one who takes a little and makes enough, but the scripture tells us that 12 baskets, doggy bags, if you will, were left over after the feeding of thousands. This waymaker is the one who in his presence is able to take what seems like a little and use it in profound ways to meet the needs of many. This church, this church called Skyview, we are to be a people that when we look to Jesus, possibilities open where others don't see it. Come on now. We ought to be the kind of people that don't look down the street. God bless all our brothers doing ministry. We pray that God blesses them, pours out his abundance on them. But we don't sit here with the longing to be that which we're not because we believe here in our midst is the same Jesus who takes just a few loaves and a few fish and does miracles. We believe that we have in Christ the one who is able to do immeasurably more, says the Apostle Paul, than we ever think or ask. The waymaker shows up in Mark chapter 7. Are you still with me? Say amen. Whew. Didn't work out much on my holiday. <laughs> in Mark chapter 7, when the religious leaders flock from Jerusalem to find him, they come to criticize him because his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. <laughs> well, there's some of us here, no doubt, who's going, I would be one of those religious leaders. I like clean hands. The problem for Jesus was never clean hands, but the kind of tradition that was developed from the Old Testament by these religious leaders that made the, the point uh, of their religion a reason to not care for the least of these. Uh, Jesus confronts them with their own hypocrisy. He says, you, 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 you're concerned that we don't eat with clean hands. Meanwhile, you tell your own parents who have a need, you cannot help them because what you have is devoted to God. You hypocrites. Jesus challenges a closed-mindedness a particular perspective of religion that says this, holiness is about what we don't touch and how clean we make things as opposed to the true religion that Jesus comes to bring, which is to care for the least of these, to have compassion for those who are in need, to serve, to be gracious, and to bless. And Jesus challenges a close understanding of what it means to be the people of God and invites he, these leaders into a dynamic understanding that when Christ is in their midst, that which is unclean is made clean through him. Come on now. Let me put it in a different way. It's easy, I think, in religion to become concerned about the external. 
the appearance. Don't you find it provocative that Mark in his telling and in his construction of his gospel would speak about purity and clean hands, and then he would bookend that with a Jesus who sticks his fingers in somebody's ears, spits on his hand, and touches somebody's tongue. Do you know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, what we touch does not make us unholy when who we are in him holds us. And there's this the sense in which if I was one of these religious leaders, <laughs> I would, I don't even have to be one of those religious leaders. I get a little bit paranoid. You can ask my kids this. When, 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 when we eat chips out of a bowl together, who here doesn't want to see blowing candles on birthday cakes come back? Some of you haven't thought about it. Now you are. You're like, Yeah. Uh, but Jesus upturns this religious perspective that says, you know, it's just about what we do to make things clean as opposed to having the heart, the disposition, the Spirit of God within us. Now, let me say, I, I can spend a lot more time here but I want to suggest to you and me that this waymaker may want to open up some perspectives that have been very closed for years. In fact, this waymaker shows up in a, in a remarkable way in our text. He's escaping to Gentile territory, he's hoping for reprieve. By the way, Ty and Sidon is considered to be the same region where Elijah and Elisha encountered Gentile widows. Jesus is fulfilling some things even when he is moving out of Israel's region. And there he encounters this Syrophoenician woman who not only has the audacity to seek him out when he's trying to take a vacation, but insists persist despite him using what in all accounts seems to be a very derogatory put off. Jesus says, let the children, that is Israel, be fed first for that is really what I've come to do is to first begin with those who God had called. It is not fair to take the children's food and to throw it to the dogs. But she responds and she says, but even the dogs Get the crumbs that falls from the table. I preached on this before a year ago. All of you remember it, right? It's still reverberating theologically. And the point I made then is a point worth making now before I get to my final point. You know, I, 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 when, we, when we study the Bible, when you go to seminary and all those things, you know, there's a lot of good. There's also a lot, perhaps it's not that good. But when you go to seminary, they teach you how to read not just portions of Scripture, but all of Scripture. There's a sense in which when you read it all, because most of these have been written in such a way that you would hear it all being read to you in kind of one sitting. But when you read all of Mark's gospel, you, you quickly realize that Mark is wanting to, he, he's wanting to show us something. 
He's wanting to teach us something about what Jesus is actually doing here. The, 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 the feeding of the 5,000 made this point, that there is enough for everybody. The feeding of the 5,000 meant that, that, yes, I've come for Israel, but, but there's enough for everyone. And the Syrophoenician woman, by the way, women get it a lot more than men, especially in Mark's gospel. So if you named Mark, good on you. The Syrophoenician woman, unlike his own disciples, understand enough about who he is that even when he puts her off, and we don't quite know what the tone and the nature of this is. Is he being humorous? Is he being frustrated? Is he being tired? Is he being like, why are you bothering me? But she knew enough about Jesus to persist in such a way to say, listen, I know who you are. I know what you can do with just a couple of things. I've heard what you just did. And if you are the same person that I've heard of, I know that right now, even if there's just scraps available for me, such scraps is enough to do what I'm asking you to do. This woman perhaps represents the kind of persistent faith that, that opens doors that weren't opened before. The divide us and them, Jew and Gentile. The in and the out. In the most dramatic way, Jesus opens that doors to those in that room with him and shows them that grace comes not only to Israel, but to beyond Israel. Maybe this morning there's someone here who's saying, you know, past makes me feel like I'm not good enough. My thoughts, my views, my perspectives of how I was raised. Uh, maybe personally you don't feel like God might have enough grace for you. Um, he is the way maker. He's the one that can do things that perhaps we just kind of have come to accept is just the way it is. <laughs> how many times have I said that and how many times have you said, the older you get, the more you'll say this. Well, that's just the way it is. Or worse yet, that's just the way I am. But if he is who he is, he's the one that can tear down some barriers, break down some walls. In fact, I want to suggest to you that one way to read what he does next is to see it as his invitation not only to his disciples, but to the leaders and to us today. When this deaf and mute man is brought to him, he takes him away privately, along with his disciples. And it is there that he performs this rather tactile, messy healing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a strange thing to think about what is actually happening here in the climate we're all living in. 
this Jesus that, uh, that's very presence is not tainted by, you know, by the way, they thought if you touch somebody that was like ill or sick, you become affected. <laughs> Sometimes the church has done their ministry like that. Be open. Jesus touches that which others don't want to touch. Do you feel like you're untouchable? Aspects of your life that are not good? Don't want others to know about? And maybe that's not your issue this morning. Maybe you're saying, you know what, Stu? It's not so much about me. It's about our world. I just feel like there seems to be very little hope I get a witness. I mean, how many times can I open my BBC app and just go, can I just see one day where there was nothing bad that happened? Maybe what the church needs in, in this season is, 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 is a renewed faith, like the persistent faith of a Syrophoenician woman. By the way, women, they demonstrate an incredible ability to discern who Jesus is. Uh, my... The woman in my life, my mother-in-law, passed away two years ago. Um, my mom, my grandmother. Uh, dare I say that to you this way, that, that, that it's the faith of those women that has made me the person I am today. May, may I say this to some of us here today, that uh, speaking maybe to the woman, maybe this should be a Mother's Day thing, right? You know, but but I'm speaking to all women. I, I want to say that uh, the Bible gives you a, a great example of the kind of faith that opens doors. Maybe there's a mom here today who's saying, you know, I'm really worried about my children, my son, my daughter. Maybe there's a, a dad here today who's really concerned about their children. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here concerned about their spouse. Maybe there's someone here today concerned about themselves. Maybe some of us are starting to feel a, a sense of anxiety well up in us. And when we read the statistics and read the news, we kind of go, man, it doesn't seem like, like things are going to get unstuck. The Scripture would let us know. He's the one that opens doors, opens hearts, opens minds, changes circumstances. Do we believe that Jesus is still the way maker, the miracle worker, the light in a dark world? The song affirms that that is who he is. Nothing that we carry, nothing is too hard for him. I invite you this morning to stand together with me, and we're going to invite our worship team to come. They're going to sing for us the song Waymaker, and um, I love the the simplicity of the song, but also the pointedness of it. Um, I believe that 
there are some things that only God can um, make unstuck. There's only, uh, there, there's only so much in life that we can adequately handle on our own. And maybe tonight, uh, or t- tonight, today, God brings us to a place where all of us wants to, um, to just rely upon the grace of the one who is able to do for us what we need. And so as we sing this song, I want to invite you to do one of two things. To listen to the song and listen to its words and to sing it as an affirmation of who you believe he is. Amen. But maybe there's some of us who wants to sing this song as a plea for hope. As a cry for liberation. As a desire to see God do what only he can do. He is the way maker. Amen. Amen.